0: With the exception of New York and some other schools that don't uh, get back in until after Labor Day, uh, the school is in session. Uh, the teachers were there for a week or so before the kids came and kids were out buying back to school clothes and pencils and whatever they needed. Uh, but the staff is there, all the support staff. And the, the bus drivers, Bus drivers are ready to roll, uh, The monitors that never had buses when I was growing up, and the janitors and the coaches, so they're all there and they're ready to go, and they very much need our prayers daily, big time. My wife is a retired teacher from both public and Christian schools, and the public schools they are under attack. And don't take that lightly. Uh, The curriculum that is already in the schools is pretty scary and it's getting worse. As parents and grandparents, concerned adults, we need to speak up. If we do not, this generation that we are losing will be lost. The former Archbishop of Canterbury says, Christianity could be just one generation from extinction. If the church does not reach out to young people, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Lord Carey told a Christian conference, so many churches have no ministry to young people, and that means they have no interest in the future. Well, the world's certainly not afraid to reach out to our youth. Just listen to the music see what the movies are and the TV programs that the youth are interested in, the video games that they're playing, the magazines that they're looking at, the friends, the kids that they hang out with. Okay, we're in a battle, or we should be. But just remember that the battle is the Lord's, but he's expecting some more soldiers to show up at the front lines. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you are overseeing our schools, and Lord, help us to work to get things back to where they used to be, back to reading, writing, and arithmetic, and that those are the most important things. And just be with the teachers, the staff, the drivers, and everybody that's associated with a school, and just help them to uh, help our kids to grow up in a way that uh, we'll be proud of. So, Father, we're just going to look at your word and see the message that you have for us. And, Lord, I know that, as always, you've got something. So open our hearts, our minds, and and just let the Holy Spirit work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me. I've been dealing with a throat thing, so... Hopefully, I can make it through this. This is my third attempt. Uh, The next few messages, I'm going to be looking at Paul's letter to the Church of Colossae. It's a book or letter that we don't hear a whole lot about. It's grouped in there with Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, and they're all about the same size. And those three all have verses or passages that we're pretty familiar with, but not so much Colossians. So let's take a look and see if we can find one. Uh, Now, it's not that Colossians is unimportant. It just kind of gets overlooked uh, by pastors and authors and speakers. And so no doubt the Lord has some great wisdom in this book. So let me start out with a history of the city of Colossae. It was located in what is now Turkey. It was about a 100 miles or so from the Mediterranean Sea on the Lycus River. And long before Paul's time, it had been a really big deal place. There was lots of trade that went through the city. Um, People bringing goods and money from all over. But over time, other routes were found, and it just kind of found itself out of the way for most people. <clears throat> kind of like that town that that you maybe know of, that unless you're going to that town, you're not going to go there because you're not going to go through it on the way to where you're headed. So what was Paul's reason for writing to this church? Probably written from a Roman prison around 60 A.D., So let's start with chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Now, there's no real clues there as to why he wrote, but this is similar how he opens a lot of letters. But something that is interesting in his greeting is that he says he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Okay, Paul uses that similar uh, greeting in Ephesians, but how very true that is what Paul says. He believes Jesus in Jesus Christ because he was called by him. Paul had no desire whatsoever in becoming a believer. It was just the opposite. And Paul is being specific in who he's writing to, faithful brothers and sisters. Is Paul concerned that some in the church who may not be faithful? Verses three through five. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Okay, again, the first verses are pretty common in Paul's letters. You know, we pray for you. We give thanks for you. (coughs) You know, we see the work that you're doing, all that kind of stuff. But in verse 4, Paul mentions two things. We have heard of your faith and your love. And then in verse 5 he says that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Hmm. Faith, hope, love. Sound familiar? Paul puts these three together more than a few times. Romans 5, of course 1 Corinthians 13. Galatians 5, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. So Paul is saying that the church of Colossae possesses the three great Christian virtues, and he wants him to know the importance of that. Paul knows that these are essential attributes of a believer. Okay? If you call yourself a believer, that's part of who you are, faith, hope, and love. Well, in verses 6 and 8, Paul continues to give encouragement. He says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learn from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who has also told us of your love in the spirit. So Paul's been receiving good news about the believers in Colossae. And so he wants them to know that. You know, it's getting back to me, the things that you're doing. And he mentions Epaphras. Okay? Epaphras, he was a Gentile. And he was likely the founder of the church there. And there's a good chance that Paul and Epaphras had um, crossed paths in Rome and um, got to know who he was. Okay, Paul continues, but I want to stop here for just a minute, and let's look at a few things. He he talks about the fact that they, oh, excuse me, talks about the knowledge that they have. Now, we can possess a lot of knowledge, but know very little about what God wants us or the church to be doing. Now, some people have a whole lot of knowledge uh, in Christian things. They've taken classes, they've gone to workshops, they've maybe had internships. But if it's not aimed in the right direction, it's a waste. Knowledge is not a collection of facts and figures, especially when we're talking about God. He says, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives you, that is is how we know God's will. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him every day. Trust me, I am not there. And I don't know anyone who is. probably you don't either. Verses 11 to 14, Paul says, Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Why do you have to put that in there? And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. There's a whole lot to this passage. Name because of the Lord, we are qualified to share in the inheritance, first of all, first of all, qualified. well, how do we become qualified romans eight fourteen says for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. so if we're believers and led by the Spirit of God, that makes us children of God, we'll add to that the next verse. Excuse me. Romans 8:15 says the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, "Abba, Father." Receiving the holy spirit brings our adoption and we're no longer slaves. Now for the inheritance in 8, 16, and 17. It says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And here is some great news for most of us. Okay, Ephesians 3 6 says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Us Gentiles, okay, probably in most cases, you and me that's listening to this. Okay, so us Gentiles get to share in this inheritance through our belief in Jesus. And having the holy spirit in us there's no other way okay there's no other way to gain that inheritance well again in in colossians 1 verse 14 tells us we have redemption the forgiveness of sins that's the good news of the gospel of jesus christ that's what it's all about that's why jesus came to make us part of the family through the forgiveness of our sins. Okay, moving on to verse 15 to 17. It says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus was there at creation. Jesus was there from the start, long before creation. Genesis 1.26 tells us this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Not in my likeness, okay, not in my image, but in ours the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul tells us, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul tells us more good news about Christ in verses 18 to 20 of uh, Colossians 1. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now Paul's gonna drive this home in Ephesians chapter four, verse fifteen. So, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Okay, Christ alone is the head of the church, is the head of the body. Not a pastor, not a church leader of any kind, not an evangelist, not even the pope. Okay, Christ is the head of the church, period. Okay, verses 21 to 23 are bad news, good news. Okay, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Okay, that's a bad news. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation that's the good news. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Every creature under heaven. That's Paul's way of emphasizing what they are hearing that it's nothing different than what everybody else is hearing. (coughs) Excuse me. In verse 24, Paul starts on a different thought. He says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Suffering. Paul mentions the many times that he suffered in the past in Second Corinthians eleven. He says he was flogged, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was hungry, he was thirsty, he had been in prison, okay, and all of those, not just one time. Okay. So Paul knew what it was to suffer physically for Jesus Christ. Verses 25 and 26 says, I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Commission. Paul was commissioned on the Damascus road. (coughs) Excuse me. Here is an important thing that he says, that it's the Word of God in its fullness. Came okay? the Word of God wasn't available like it is today. You know, you can, you can go to Walmart or a Christian bookstore or Amazon and buy whatever translation of the Bible you want. You know, we hear it spoken not just on Sunday morning, but, you know, we can go online and we can listen to podcasts you know the apps you know the the U version app if you don't have it you should get it has 69 english translations of the bible uh, just go to, to U version on your app store and find it but at that time the word of god was passed down from person to person generation to generation and it wasn't known as you know, it tells me in Second Corinthians 23, verses 5 to 8, or in Genesis, you know, it doesn't say in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verses 75 to 76. Okay? It wasn't passed down like that, it didn't become that for a long time. Now, even though the Word of God is available in its fullness, it gets forgotten, it gets distorted. It gets taken out of context not presented in its fullness and he talks about the mystery two important things about this the first one is the word mystery was a popular word with the pagan religions they wanted people to think that they had to become part of their religion in order to know what the mystery was and secondly When Paul uses the word here, he says something more. He says, but it is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Okay, letting the believers know that God's word is available. No secret words, no secret phrases needed, no secret handshake. You know, it's it's here for you to hear. In other letters, Paul says this about the mystery. He says, It has been made known. It has been a revelation. It has been made plain. In verse 27, he gives us this. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Hmm. Jesus talked about that in John 14 verses 16 and 17. He says, I'll ask the Father and He'll give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He lives with you and will be in you. Okay? That's what Paul is talking about, you know, which is Christ in you. hope of glory, the Holy Spirit. The last couple verses, 28-29. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me the lord's doing his part no doubt about that jesus certainly did his part we need to be doing ours i know i we need to be spending more time in searching the letters of paul that he wrote to the churches because there's so much wisdom in those letters for the church today for the believers today that we need to realize what it is that's been done for us, and what's expected of us to be doing. Let's pray. Father, I just lift up those that know you and love you, and Father, that they um, they want to serve you. And sometimes they uh, enthusiastically start out serving, and, and Satan starts to pull them away and uh, distract them in whatever way he can. Lord, help them to hang on to the strength that there is in you. And come back to the battle lines uh, to be able to to fight the good fight uh, for you. That lives will be changed. And Lord, I I, I pray for anybody that's listening that uh, has never made a commitment to you, doesn't have a relationship with you through your Son Jesus Christ. That today will be the day. Now will be the time that they will decide that they need Jesus in their lives. They've tried everything else, and nothing's worked. And so they need to realize that what they've been searching for has been Jesus. And he's been there all the time, just waiting for for them to make that commitment. So, Father, I just pray that now they will. And Lord, let them just follow me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Thank you for Jesus, your Son, my Savior. Lord, forgive me for all my sins. Help me to be who you need me to be, that I can serve you faithfully in every way. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.